Dutch architect Ben van Berkel is the co-founder of global architectural practice UN Studio. With offices around the world and a significant presence in Asia-Pacific, the firm is known for its focus on master planning and buildings dedicated to the intersection of commerce and culture. Today, he joins Susie Anetta on the line for a conversation about his career and creative practice. This is the Design Dialogues. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this evening or morning for you. We've published a number of projects by UN Studio over the years, so it's uh, it's really a pleasure to be chatting with you. And I wanted to start our conversation at the beginning, perhaps even before you started your career, and ask you about when it was that you first realised that you wanted to become an architect. Uh, the first moment I, I realised that I wanted to become an architect is when I visited the Katsura Palace in Japan. And uh, that was in the time when I was all around 19, 20 years old uh, and worked for uh, a graphic designer. And he was actually so fascinated in, in the combination of graphic design, interior design and architecture. But, but he noticed also that I had that fascination. So he, he supported me to visit uh, Japan. And, and especially when I saw the metabolist work, like uh, the work of Kenzo Tange, and um, and um, yeah, Maki and and Izuzaki. Uh, I you know I I was so fascinated in 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 uh, seeing how rich this uh, development of the 60s and 70s architecture was was uh, developed in uh, Japan. But, but but particularly, I was fascinated in this historical part of. Uh, uh, Japanese architecture because it looked almost as if modernism or modern architecture was invented in Japan, but 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 you know this is the 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 key moment where I decided to study architecture at the AA um, Architectural Association in London. But but maybe also as a child I was often walking with my father around uh, building sites in, in in a very interesting uh, area in Utrecht where where I was born. Uh, where where my parents moved to, but we we were the ones who were quite the first ones who lived there, and for the rest everything was still under construction. So I had no, I had no places where I could play apart from playing in uh, construction sites. So that that must have had an influence on me too. I think. Mm, those are both very formative experiences. You mentioned the AA school in London, but you also studied, I believe, at the Reitfeldt Academy in Amsterdam. I wanted to ask you a bit about how, what those experiences were like and how perhaps they may have differed and, um, you know, the pedagogical approaches of each of those schools, if you could talk about that a little bit. Uh, the, the, the interesting thing about... Um the, the Rietveld Academy was that, <clears throat> that it was almost like a Mont, what they call here a Montessori system in the sense that they allowed you to, to in the first year to do um, everything you, you could do on the level of art, the graphic design, photography, painting. You know, I mean, that was beautiful. I, I really loved the place and I learned a lot from the artist uh, I in that time was working with a lot. Uh, and then even when you 
uh, were going into the second year, then still you could move to all the other departments if you were choosing. Uh, for instance, I had, uh, you know, made made the choice to to go for um, what they called in that time architectonic design, and that was a combination of interior um, um, architecture and uh, spatial, yeah, exhibition design and product design. So also, uh, yeah. You know, I learned to design the furniture. So in a way, I I come from a totally different background than most of the people know. Starting uh, as a graphic designer in a way, and then in the evening I did the, in the evenings the school. So I, you know, it was crazy. I I worked for six hours, seven hours, and then you know in the evening I went to school, and then uh, sometimes in the night I do do, do my homework, and I had to get up again at nine o'clock, and and I did this for four years long between you know the age of uh, 18 till 20 uh, 22 or something like yeah 22 23 so so it was you know it was it was a time where where i tried to get as much as i could out of the practice and at the same time uh, try to uh, uh, re-educate myself but 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 of course i mean it was you know uh, a little bit an 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 undecisive uh, how do you call it in a sort of time where I was a lot lot in search of where where and how I could uh, settle myself in in you know the, the desire to make things because I was always interested in making things you know I was always making um, art and, and 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 I still paint a lot. But 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 uh, but in the end, uh, I was so happy that that I had this uh, teacher at the Rietveld Art College, who who actually um, um, who was an uh, architectural historian, who said to me, Ben, you know, with all the things you are talking about and the things you would like to know, uh, you better should study architecture. So I mean, that was a very uh, nice um, device uh, or advice he gave me. Um, to to focus and i i heard you delivered a lecture in melbourne somewhat recently you talked a little bit about your experience of studying under zaha hadid whilst at the aa school um you talked about learning cooking from her but i'm, I'm wondering what else you may have learned from her and you know what other imp <laughs> what other impressions she may have left on you she was an amazing lady i mean and one she was so unbelievable powerful powerful in, her, in the way she teach very personal like maybe as i said there you know calling me up and then say could you call the other students and then uh, and buy chicken on the way and then we cook and then we do afterwards the tutorials it was really funny but <laughs> but but she she uh, especially was uh, really pushing the students into a bolder direction than uh, than you would ever had imagined you you would work in so like for instance i often came in with small a3 drawings um had them in a small portfolio and she said to me no no ben you this is not the size where you should draw and it needs to be a little bit larger and i said yeah but what size and then she said yeah it needs to be around two you know, roughly two meters by three meters. I mean, think really big. <laughs> think big. <laughs> so, I mean, so we had to do huge drawings, huge, and um, and it was good because I, you know, you you she was able to 
build up an enormous confidence in, in you if, if you were open towards it. So I mean, she was really fantastic. And I worked with her also for a short while, um, helping her with um, uh, an exhibition and um, the paintings. And, and uh, because I had this graphic background, I, I worked on a catalog for her. Uh, you know, that was really wonderful. And that was all in my study time, uh, doing it next to working on her uh, or working in her studio in the same time. Well, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that her motto was think big, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, you also teach now at multiple uh, and different schools across the world. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you're teaching and what subjects within architecture and urban planning that you're particularly passionate about teaching. Yeah, I love teaching. I've always thought that, that if you don't teach, you, you don't know where the future is going. Um, so it's a bit selfish, but on the other hand, I've also learned, you know, that, that architecture um, cannot be done by one person. So you have to work, learn to work in teams, especially with younger teams, because um, they're also, uh, yeah, if you can make, you know, similarly what Zaha maybe teach me, to, to develop a certain form of confidence and, and motivate others is something I've always liked. Um, and I think I can, I, I'm, I'm as good as in motivating people as in my design work, I believe. Um, because, because I've, I've noticed that, 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 um, that if you in a team can develop a good team spirit and good collaboration and especially unite the team, then, then, uh, you can also, um, yeah, uh, make very intelligent uh, projects because you, you match uh, the ideas in one way and direct them in, 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 in a way whereby they are, um, yeah, then, then uh, directed in such a way that they, um, yeah, that, that, yeah, even when, when you work with 20 people, you know, then, you, then I think that, that you then have to make sure that you, not come up, pull, don't pull 22 ideas in one project, but maybe only three ideas in a project. So you learn others also to edit in the design phase. But anyway, I, I, the, the topics I teach are around lately uh, health and the built environment, uh, sustainability and health. But then try to find ways to, to uh, topics of health, like social health, so how people can see each other better or develop better community in in a neighborhood in a city or in a neighborhood uh, and next to the way how you connect that to um, 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 maybe physical health and so social health uh, sorry uh, mental health you can actually then also um, think about the way how you can activate people in buildings and all these things so so health and sustainability has been a topic i've been teaching in quite a lot over the last years and you know of course even before COVID, we we worked on these ideas and now lately you know you become a specialist especially after the pandemic uh, uh, because now everyone wants to uh, work in a healthy environment and, and live in a healthy environment with good materials good air systems better acoustics, uh, better, better light, uh, etc. Um, but, but that is um, not the only, you know, not the only 
of course, ingredients I bring into uh, my teaching uh, systems or devices, uh, but but I I bring that also into in, the way how we design here at the UN studio. I read that you're currently teaching a course at Harvard called Forever Young, How Design Must Anticipate Human Longevity, and I wonder if you could just briefly describe the contents of that curriculum or what your aim or the objective of that course would be. Do you know the the, the longevity uh, um, a specialist uh, at Harvard or a professor there is he's called uh, David Sinclair. He's actually an Australian uh, um, academic, oh. uh, but but oh. he he became a professor in um, in in the topic of longevity, and he did a lot of. I mean, he's actually most, one of the most important scientists. <clears throat> Uh, on this level and and I followed him for a long time we visited also his uh, lab in Harvard mm. but I've been always interested in not so much longevity as a topic but quality of life uh, we can improve that's not where I'm interested in particularly um, although I find the science around it very interesting but what I like the most is to connect it also to the built environment and and to circularity and that buildings also hopefully never die in the sense of that they that they can be reused and 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 with circular materials and demountable details that you can uh, re uh, reuse little parts of the building etc so the whole idea of uh, um, um, the life of of the of, of of buildings and and the way how cities operate can be i think also be used in a far more different way that we have than we have worked with design and architecture of the last uh, uh, decades so um that's where my longevity uh, interest comes from but 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 also i mean maybe it's also related to the way how we could uplift spatial experiences because if we can make people aware that an, that a space is only not exciting as a spatial experience alone, but that, that also next to that, that you have good air, good acoustics, good, yeah, uh, that you stimulate walkability, for instance, in buildings so that people also, by walking more, stay healthy, that you create also another form of uplifting qualities, experiential qualities, who can enrich the spatial qualities, as as I uh, like to argue. So so um, that's why I'd like to always work on 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 how to improve, yeah, the, and inform architecture in um, in 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 this uh, particular new way through sustain to connect sustainability to its health and. Um, health and technology. Well, I guess the sustainability also goes back to, um, you know, what we were just talking about, which was, you know, I guess designing for longevity. And I wanted to ask you maybe a little bit more about, you know, why it's so important to, uh, you know, be able to incorporate future programming for, you know, potentially unknown needs into buildings. Um, And how, as an architect, do you approach that? How do you design a building for programming that you don't even know what it is yet you know and why is that so important i mean today the 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 whole discussion about how we work and how we live and how we will use mobility is going to uh, such a dramatic change that 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 it is clear that we have to make our buildings more flexible more adaptable 
more more oriented towards longevity <laughs> and 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 in a way um most of the buildings designed of the last uh, you know well you can say many centuries is that they were are quite unflexible and and it's not only i'm not talking only about um, office buildings but i'm talking also a lot about um how pro, pro, housing projects we did over um the 70s and 60s in the last century and 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 you know al already the family constellations we live with at the moment like like uh, we used to have only 20 family constellations or maybe less uh 20 years ago but now we have close to the united nations uh, uh, argument we have close to 42 or 44 different family constellations today so so that means that we need to have other devices and other typologies of how we uh, and how, yeah how we make and design uh, these buildings not not only that they need to become more flexible but also that they need to become more adjacent to um, certain functions who need to be connected towards housing for instance if you want to create a fantastic community <clears throat> then you have to really mix the right amount of activity so that there is enough liveliness in the neighborhood for yeah not the whole day but the whole week when people don't if you don't want that people feel alone in the neighborhood so yeah so so sustain sus social sustainability and sustainability to connect it to mm, indoor indoor qualities you have, we have to improve because we talk a lot about that our planet is is in, in need of change and 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 needs we need to improve and and really make our environment much better than it used to be is one thing but but we forget sometimes indoor climates the in, i mean when i did the measurements of indoor climate uh, over the last years you would be shocked to see these data. The quality of air is terrible in schools, or the quality of uh, materials, or the quality in in what I said about acoustics or, or toxic materials. I mean, it's un unbelievable. We, we, I, one day I have to publish this because you know I think the world is not aware of how 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 terrible some of our indoor environments are. I imagine that quite a lot of what you've just talked about, uh, you know, this future planning, but also developing um, cities for the future requires a fair amount of speculation. And you've talked a bit in the past about how important that is, this ability to be able to speculate or theorise or even guess, I suppose. And I, I wonder if that's something that you teach or you, if you incorporate that into what you were teaching yes i love uh, speculation and and not simply because i like it but it is i think also extremely important because everything you de design today especially in large-scale project is not finished in three years time so sometimes it takes five or six or ten years time to do a large-scale project so you need to be as uh, you need to be a futurist in a way you need to be um, understanding where and how we might uh, yeah, where and how we would change or, or style of living or working in the future is, of course, not fully to, to predict, but that's why I like to often work with, with a younger generation because they know certain things I don't know.
because you know they're 20 years younger 30 years younger or 40 years younger than i am <laughs> so i mean that that helps and so how on earth do you balance uh your teaching professional the academia the world of academia and research with professional practice i mean i imagine that there is obviously a fair amount of synergy between each of those elements but i guess even just from you know a simple time perspective how do you fit all of that in yeah, I'm actually um, trying very hard to 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 mirror these two worlds. So, so in the sense that you know, research and development, and I call it applied research and development, so that we really connected also to the projects and the things we make in the studio. I I yeah, I, I like to I like to mirror that back to the studio studio, but 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 of course. You know, that's why I'm very careful with the amount of time I spend on teaching because, yeah, you know, we have such a, I mean, we grew so, so in a yeah, kind of a mature company in a way right now is that where, where I cannot be away from, uh, let's say, three days a week. You know, I, 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 I teach only uh, uh, one term a year and then sometimes I, skip even a year um, so that I, yeah, I'm still, of course, for 80% or 90% uh, active in the studio. UN Studio has just recently opened a new office in Melbourne, uh, which is where yeah. I'm based, and you're working on quite an important project down here, a landmark uh, tower that is set to become Australia's tallest building. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about that project. Yeah, the South Bank project is, is for us one of the key projects we do at the moment uh, in, in the company and, and not because it's, you know, this fantastic high-rise yeah, high project, but it is, um, um, it is unique in, in the way how uh, the combination of work, living, um, an hotel, fantastic, uh, cult it's a project with a cultural edge because uh, the client was able to bring in the Pompidou Center um, with with an, uh, an, an, an an exhibition space there of of, of their um, their museum um, into Mel in this project and in Melbourne. So I think that's un really unique. So so yeah, everything is unique about it. Right? It, it. Actually, it's a little city in the city, and and. It will give an enormous amount of liveliness to that part of the city, uh, South Bank, and that what and that's needed because South Bank is you know is a wonderful part of of New Melbourne. But if you walk around uh, South Bank eight o'clock in the night, well, then then you don't feel so so happy always. It's very um, yeah, it's, it's isolated. Mm. You know, there are, there are some restaurants. And it's now, luckily enough, it's come, you know, it's becoming better over the last years. I mean, since the last four years I've been now in Melbourne, I think it's growing into a, a more active area. But but I, I definitely believe that with our project, we will give an enormous boost to that part of the city. Well, I'm very excited to see. Uh, when is that expected to be completed? Oh, I, I'm I'm very careful with uh, giving you. Oh, a number. of course. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't I shouldn't put you on the spot like that. <laughs> okay, well we'll wait and and see. But we're, yeah, we're obviously very excited to see that. But we are very far. We have we, we we in a sense we have all the permissions, and we are now going well very soon on site. 
Okay. Well, that's very exciting. I wanted to ask you about your experience of working here in Australia. You're uh, based in the Netherlands, but uh, your company has offices in many cities around the world. And, you know, I, I wondered about how you find those experiences, obviously working across different cultures and languages. Um, you know, is there a, um, a tip that you have for us to, you know, balance each of those different destinations and time zones? I, I've always liked it to be in other places in order to learn again. And, and you know, if it is China or you know the Middle East, America, we are now Canada. We are quite active, but uh, but I you know honestly I love to be in Australia, especially Melbourne, um, because it's such a fantastic combination of um, qualities you have in that city. I find uh, I don't know why, but I I feel a bit as if I'm at home in Melbourne. And and maybe it's related to that that I feel somewhere the European history of many people come from different places also in Melbourne but also you know there are Dutch people also there so in a way um, uh, it's 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 something of of a combination of different cultures and a lifestyle but what I never expected to uh, to um, to meet in Melbourne, like, uh, you know, the fantastic aspect of what you have of, you know, Saturday and Sunday mornings going all together to the cafes and restaurants and enjoy <clears throat> to be with family together there. Yeah. I, I really like, I, I think these things are very unique and it gives, gives actually a clear sign that, 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 yeah, that you're very social and inter interactive culture. Mm. And and I I, I feel always very uh, positive in uh, in Melbourne. But don't forget, um, you know, I've about every place where I go, I have something where I think, well, this is the climate is amazing here, or you know, this is a place where you know it's wonderful to be uh, because it is, yeah, it's it's having another world's culture than than we have here in uh, in in, uh, in Amsterdam, for instance. I just wanted to ask you uh, if you could tell us a little bit about the UNSX division of the practice. Ah, yeah, UNSX is actually uh, focusing on experience design, and we have open top uh, uh, specialists in in that group uh, dealing not only with product design, interior design, and architecture, but especially focused on how you can rethink the way people experience spatial qualities. And I mentioned a bit earlier of how you can bring health in the space, spatial environment by making, uh, you know, better as installations who you copy out of, you know, in a way, healthcare ideas like uh, operation rooms. But but really, as if you walk outside when you are inside the building, you know these kind of experiences we we bring to our buildings, and then we are even post. What we do then even there is that we um, we um, uh, uh, we can reduce close to twenty percent uh, sick leave in buildings. You know, with with these ideas. So so experience design is for us uh, to work with the senses. And, and as you know, we, we for a long time believed that we had only four or five sensorial experiences, but we believe that there are more, much more. And we play with these ideas in a way how you, you, you 
walk in a city or how a sound of a material might sound when you walk over the floor or or how you can deal with different types of light in space and combined with the best daylight because daylight is actually also very good for you so so um yeah experience design i think is really a future topic for architects to work on because it can add a new layer to the way how you can enrich uplifting qualities in the in in a, in yeah in an architectural uh, design well thank you that sounds so interesting and uh, i'm sure i speak for more than just myself in that we're looking forward to seeing what's next from un studio and i wanted to thank you so much for your time today ben i really appreciate it thank you